0: Okay, so we're actually up to, we finished that note that took us uh, over a week, and now we're on page 28, and we're reading like this. The Torah summons us to view heaven and earth, and says to us, from heaven to earth, from earth to heaven, whatever you see in existence came to be when, bereshit bara elohim, at its beginning, God as creator brought it into being. So what he is summoning up over here is his commentary on the Torah, which he states that Barathez para Elohim does not mean that in the beginning God created. It means in the beginning of God's creating, right? And what he's describing is like this. When we look at the Torah, we have more of an understanding in terms of what the creation of the world and what the purpose of the creation of the world really was. See the heavens in their everlastingly tranquil, unchanging course, the source of light, heat, and every motive force on our planet, the carrier of our earthly life. Look at the sky at night with its millions of galaxies, or in daytime, illuminated by the glorious radiance of the sun. Or observe the earth, that swift runner, right? So this footnote over here, what it describes is that Rev Hirsch said that the word for land, in Hebrew is Eretz, right? Aleph, Resh, Zayin, right? So he actually believes that it's etymologically related to the word for uratz, to run. So what he's describing is this, when you look at the world, right? You look at the sky at night, looking at the stars and all the galaxies. When you look at the, the, the sky during the day that has the, the radiance of the sun, or observe the earth, that swift runner, with its eternal cycles of coming into being and ceasing to be. In other words, he's talking about the, the never-ending cycles of energy going into mass and mass back into energy and so on and so forth. Of blooming and withering, of life and death, decay, decline, and death, forever struggle to reemerge into new existence, new blossoming and life. See the millions of species, rocks, plants, and animals, which the earth produces and nourishes, and takes back again into its bosom. See the light, heaven's messenger to the earth, coaxing all into life, and then making it fade away again. The light, by means of which you can see all things, and which colors them for you in every you. right? Or look at the rarefied atmosphere surrounding the earth, which intercepts the rays of light and diffuses them to serve the earth's needs and through which the clouds travel, collecting water, and in turn watering the parched soil, thirsty vegetation, beasts, and man. See the oceans encompassing the earth with their all-embracing floods, and the springs welling up from rock fissures, and flowing forth as rivulets, brooks, and mighty rivers. Now, he's describing so many of the miracles, or so many of the, what we call, the world, the natural world, the laws of nature, the rules of nature. He's describing them, but he is describing them from the perspective of that we know through the Torah that God created them, right? So what he's addressing is like this. What he's addressing is, if you speak to the scientists, the biologists, the chemists, the physicists, they will all tell you that the only way for life to arise on Earth, right, or on any planet, there's a whole bunch of different factors that all have to be perfectly in sync for it to be possible to have intelligent life arise on a planet. So they'll just tell you, okay, this happens to be the one. Maybe if we searched enough other planets, maybe we would find another planet. And in truth, by the way, Judaism has nothing against that. Right? There's no, there's nothing in Judaism that says that there cannot be life other than on earth. It doesn't say that anywhere in, in, in the Torah. It doesn't say that anywhere in Midrashim. It actually is completely fine for there to be life elsewhere. The other circumstances have to come into effect. That being said, to someone who is honestly receptive to recognizing a truth, it makes it far more likely than not that there was a creator. And that's why everything is so perfectly in sync and so perfectly aligned to allow for the existence of life. Are you glad of the firm surface of the earth supporting you and yours? Are you glad of its meadowy expanse and its many species of trees? Glad of the animals frolicking in the waters and in the air or with you on the ground? Do you see the sun, the moon and stars above you? regulating the times of day, the moon, the months, and the years, directing the round of awakening and sleep, of the rise and fall, of blossoming and withering upon earth. One God, one omnipotent creator, proclaims the Torah, by whose word everything became what it is. Heaven and earth, his work. His, the light and the air, oceans and continents. His, plants, fishes, birds, insects, and beasts. The sun, the moon, the stars, his creation. He spoke by a he, and it came into being, okay? So what he's addressing over here is, when, when we open up the Torah, and we look at the beginning of the Torah, and we read about the creation of the world, and we get very caught up in the nitty gritty and the technicalities, that's not what the Torah is trying to do. The Torah is not giving you a how-to manual that if one day you had all of the elements in place, you would be able to create a, a world, too. That, that's not what the Torah is trying to do. What the Torah is trying to express is that everything that we see, right, everything from, from creatures great to small, all of the forces of nature, they are all part of the creation of the universe that God created and willed into being through his words. If you now contemplate separately all that was created, from the blade of grass to the sun's orb, each endowed with the purpose of its own, each specifically designed in substance and form for that purpose, it is the self-same Almighty's wisdom that designed and designated all of them. Calling the light to serve the day, darkness to serve the night, the atmosphere to become the earth's sky, the masses of water to be the oceans, the dry land to become the developing earth, the stars to be the regulators of the seasons. Okay? So when we look at all of these things that are so perfectly designed to operate in tandem and only together with all of these different all of these different uh, things that, you know, we have forces. If we if we were a little bit further away from the sun it would be too cold for life to develop. And if you're a little closer to the sun, it would be too hot for life to develop, right? So scientists look at that and say, wow, it's pretty cool. What a what a coincidence that we ended up on this world where life could develop, right? But but thinking people, think people who are willing to accept the possibility of, of a creator, it does seem pretty obvious. When we look at every single element of the world, right? We can think of it on like a, a big scale, on a large scale, that the exact distance that we are from the sun is the perfect distance, the perfect amount of heat the perfect amount of of coolness right but that's also true about every single thing in this world everything in this world has a purpose the gemara discusses this right the gemara discusses what's the purpose of of each you know a a mosquito what's the purpose of a scorpion right what's the purpose of a spider right and and the gemara goes through this and explains the purpose the gemara's intention in doing this is really to convey to us the message that everything has a purpose and everything has a role to play in the vision that god has for the world By his wisdom, substance, form, power, and dimensions were assigned and dealt out to each according to its purpose. His wisdom decreed, and everything became what it is. The smallest and the biggest, all were called into being and service by God's word, or formed by God's finger. All the forces governing them, and all the laws according to which they operate, which you discern and marvel at. From the forces and the laws according to which a stone falls or a seed germinates, right? gravity. Right, or the laws of physics, exactly how how a and a biology, right? And how a sea germinates. To those governing the movement of the planets and the unfolding of your spirit. All these forces are from God, the omnipotent. And in all these laws, it is his word that reigns. Right? So remember, what he's in the middle of, of doing, and we, we kind of got caught up a little bit, but the the entire third letter, what he's been focused on, is the idea when we're trying to understand the purpose of the world, we have to recognize. Don't look to recognize God from the world. Look to understand the world from the, through the eyes of what the Torah commands us, and through the written Torah and through the oral Torah of what the purpose of the world is. And through that, then you can come to a, a deeper recognition and a deeper understanding, a deeper appreciation for everything that the world consists of in this overriding objective of fulfilling God's purpose of creation.